Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's History Class. Shout-out time. First shout-out goes to Larry Wilson. Larry and I played football together back in the glory days at Henderson High School. And when I asked Larry to catch me up on what he'd done since then, he said I would be shocked, surprised, and astonished that he had not gone on and played defensive tackle in the NFL. And Larry, I was. But at least that explained why I could not locate you in the NFL Hall of Fame. Instead, Larry married his high school sweetheart, Joy, went to the University of Texas, where he majored in government and minored in history and economics. He has been a member in good standing of Mr. Stroud's history class, and I am pleased to learn that he has just recently purchased the book 1861. Larry's father, Andrew, was one of the World War II vets that I knew when I was growing up. He was a B-24 pilot in the Pacific during the Second World War, and I knew Andrew very well, and I admired him as I do Larry and Joy, and am proud that they are attending Mr. Stroud's history class on Apple iTunes. My next shout-out goes to Megan. Now, all the other shout-outs went to individuals that I knew as students in my history class or people that I knew outside of history class, but people that I know. Megan, I don't know. So why is Megan getting a shout-out? Because my daughter belongs to a book club. I love the title chapters and chatter and Megan is also a member of that book club. Sarah texts me that Megan enjoys Mr. Stroud's history class on Apple iTunes and anyone that enjoys my podcast is worthy of a shout out. Go on and mention that Megan also graduated from Texas A&M as did my daughter. Megan I am proud of you for attending Mr. Stroud's history class, and I hope you continue to enjoy it. Now, what we're going to do this time is the Gettysburg Address. I'm going to admit that I have been wrestling and wrestling with my mind on how to get this started. I want to stop looking at the trees and get to the importance of this. The Gettysburg Address. Now what trees am I talking about? The reburial of the dead soldiers. I will mention that in the next podcast because that is worthy of mention. But I want to get to why I've done the Battle of Gettysburg to set up this address as I did the Battle of Antietam to set up the Emancipation Proclamation. You go back and you listen to every single podcast and you raise your hand, if you're not driving, every time I say, I don't know what you know about, and then I'll name the subject. It goes with the Gettysburg Address. All I know that you know about the Gettysburg Address is by polling my students 
43 years of teaching, and when I asked them what they knew about the Gettysburg Address, I got silence. So, either they did not know much about it, did not know anything about it, they knew a lot about it, but was afraid to say anything because I might embarrass them, I might laugh at them, they might be wrong. I never did laugh at a student. If I did, it's because they told a joke, okay? So I'm going to assume that you, attending this history class, do not know a whole lot about the Gettysburg Address. Now, I'm going to fess up to you, and fess, F-E-S-S, up, means I'm going to confess something. Most of my teaching career, I did not even mention the Gettysburg Address. I did not see the importance of it. Oh, I had to remember it. Once I did, I memorized it four score. Oh, I did that. Raise your hand if you ever had to memorize Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. I saw some hands go up. Raise your hand if you never did memorize Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Uh, more hands went up. Raise your hand if you just like raising your hand. Dale's hand went up. All I know is what students never told me and what I, Mr. Stroud, did not know and did not realize until I read a book on the Gettysburg Address. And then, students, Oh, my goodness, OMG, how in the world could I have not, that's what I want to talk about tonight. I'm going to tell you an opinion. It's my opinion. And every time I give you my opinion, I am right. And this is my opinion on the Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. If you ever have to name one speech that changed American history as dramatically as what this Gettysburg Address did, you somehow let me know what that speech is. Because I can't think of one. I'm going to say that again. If you find out, if you think, if you learn there is a speech that changed American history more than the Gettysburg Address did, somehow you let me know. You understand? Because I cannot think of one. Now, how do I get started on this? I get started on this by saying that you can go and you can do the Google and find all kinds of things about the ceremony. What bands were played? Who gave the invocation? When did Lincoln get there? What did the Baltimore Choir sing for him? That's going to get in the way of what I want to talk about. So this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. There are those who believe that Lincoln did not write this speech. Lincoln had a speechwriter, 
William H. Seward wrote his inaugural address, but then Lincoln went back and added Lincoln's touch. But I'm going to tell you something, podcasters. Lincoln wrote every single word of the Gettysburg Address. And there is a reason. This may shock you. Then, as today, when there is someone that you do not care for, president, senator, whatever, and they say something, they're going to be their enemies, they're going to use those words against them. That's the way it was with Lincoln. Remember how unpopular Lincoln was? The most unpopular president in American history? Oh, I guarantee you there are going to be people that use his words against him. If nothing else, the Copperheads, the ones in the North that were against the war, against Lincoln, not to mention most of the ones south of the Mason-Dixon line, no one knows how long Lincoln worked on this speech, but he worked on it. And I want to remind you that he wrote his speeches in pencil. Once he had the speeches the way he wanted it, they were put to type. I told you this last time, and I'm going to tell you again. Just the opposite of today. If there is a politician that you know of and you ever heard them speak, you heard them speak on television. How many people ever heard Lincoln speak? Just a fraction. More people are going to read what he said than will ever hear what he said. Now keep that in mind, because I'm going to ask you something else. Is there a difference in the spoken word and the printed word? In other words, when you say something to someone, is the spoken word more important than if you took a piece of paper and you wrote those words out and handed it to them? Is there a difference? Yes, there is a difference. Now, the analogy that I always used in class, what do you mean there's a difference? What I mean is this. You have a great friend, and your friend sends you a text message. And that text, text message says, I just got a brand new car, exclamation point. And you text back, I hate you. Do you hear what I said? You text, I got a brand new car, and your best friend texts back, I hate you. What if you were talking? What if you ran up to your best friend and you said, I got a brand new car, and your best friend just is smiling and is happy, says, I hate you. We in Texas would say, well, bless your heart. Oh, I promise you there's a difference. You see the smile. You see the delight in the face. They are happy for you. But when you just see that text message, I hate you, those words are cold. However, 
that's the way most people are going to learn what Lincoln said at Gettysburg. And Lincoln was a master at the printed word. Keep that in mind. He worked on this speech. We do not know how long, but he wrote every bit of it. And I will guarantee you he did not forget that he was supposed to say something and wrote it on the back of an envelope on the way there. Another thing. A repeating, I don't know what you know about this. Lincoln, many people believe, was not even supposed to be there. They did not want him. I think the reason that misinformation came about is because he was never considered to be the keynote speaker. His instructions were, and these are my words, I'm paraphrasing, that at the concentration of the cemetery for the Union soldiers, he would say a few appropriate words. Emphasis on few appropriate words. Remember, in the last podcast, it was difficult to listen to him speak. He did not speak the way most people did. His words were mispronounced. Chairman instead of chairman. High, irritating voice. A few appropriate words. But to have anyone think he was not to be there is ridiculous. He is commander-in-chief. These are soldiers that died in the bloodiest battle of that war. He has got to be there. Now, I had a student one time tell me after class, Mr. Stroud, I thought most of this stuff that you tell us just was off the cuff. It wasn't important at all until I watched Jeopardy the other day, and the final Jeopardy was Who was the person that preceded Lincoln at Gettysburg? And that person was Edward Everett. Unlike Lincoln, Edward Everett was considered the best keynote speaker you could find. If you could just get Edward Everett to speak, it was going to be a success. You did not have to worry about Lincoln. You didn't have to worry about anybody else. Edward Everett said he would be there. It's going to be a success. Edward Everett is associated with Harvard University and wrote a biography on George Washington, who is one of my heroes. Edward Everett will make this dedication a success. Now, again, you can get on the internet and you can find the ceremony, you can find the order of speaking, you can find all of that. Another thing that kind of shocked me and I thank a few students, is there were about 10,000 people in attendance. In those days, classmates, the entertainment was not what we have today. I know that all you podcasters, just, it's, just hard to, it's just hard to squeeze in all those great television shows and all the entertainment that we have today. They went for miles to hear speakers. When politicians spoke in those days, it was considered an all-day event, and I tell you, you brought the picnic lunches with you. That was entertainment. There would be about 10,000 people converging on a little town of about 2,000 people. The dedication, the ceremony, going to be November the 19th, 1863. 
Edward Everett will be the first speaker as far as we're concerned. He goes out and he gets ready to speak. He was a professional. The night before, he walked around at the reception where Lincoln was, and under his arm were several hundred pages, and he would ask people, do you know what this is? And they were polite enough to say, no, Mr. Everett, I do not know what that is. Oh, that's my speech. That's my speech. Oh, Mr. Everett, you do not disappoint. He walked out there to give his speech. He didn't need those papers. He knew what he was doing. I'm going to tell you something, podcasters. I've given a lot of programs. If you're in speech, you know anyone in speech, you go to a cafe and you rang it, you take your little water glass, you take your little spoon and you knock that water glass, and when people look at you, you say, anyone in speech? Because I'm going to tell you the best way to keep from being nervous. You know more about what you're going to say than that entire audience put together. And podcasters, if you know your speech that well, you do not need notes. Edward Everett knew it that well. I would always ask my students, here is Edward Everett, speaker's choice. He's going to give a speech to dedicate the cemetery Union soldiers that died in the Battle of Gettysburg. What would be a good topic? Some of the students said, American Revolution, Independence, Declaration of Independence. Once in a while, someone would suggest a topic. Since this is a about the soldiers killed at Gettysburg. What about the topic, the Battle of Gettysburg? Because that's what Everett Everett talked about. And podcasters, as only Edward Everett could do it, he had researched that battle. He talked to soldiers that were veterans on the first day of fighting, on the second day of fighting, on the third day of fighting. He read official battle reports And he took that audience from the very beginning of that battle with the opening shots on 1 July, and he brought them all the way through. And for two hours, that audience was spellbound as the battle to Gettysburg unfolds in their imagination before them. Edward Everett had fulfilled every expectation that everyone there knew and hoped that he would do, and he did it. Now it's Lincoln's turn. Lincoln walked up there. He had his speech under his hat, folded up. That's where we got the term, keep that under your hat. He used a sweatband as a filing cabinet. It was not on the back of an envelope. And before I tell you what you think you already know, 
This is what he's going to do. This is what he's going to try to do. Are you ready for this, podcasters? The Emancipation Proclamation. All slaves in states in rebellion will be forever free on 1 January 1863. That's a proclamation. You know the difference between a proclamation and law? One's a proclamation and the other's a law. There's no enforcement power in a proclamation. The only way he can enforce that and what he has to do now, he has to convince the majority of those in the North that freeing the slaves is what this war is about and what this war should be about. To put it in modern language, he has got to sell the Emancipation Proclamation. When the war started, now there were no Gallup polls. I read that Gallup polls didn't start in 1933. But somewhere I read this. In 1861, poll the North. How many Northerners believe this war should end slavery? One out of every ten would have said yes. Nine out of every ten would have said no. No, 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 no way. Remember, the Emancipation Proclamation was the most unpopular thing that he did? In 1865, you asked the Northerners if this war should be about ending slavery. One out of ten would have said no. I'm going to say that again. 1861, 90% said no. 1865, 90% said yes. I can prove that. How do you prove that? 13th Amendment. You cannot get to the 13th Amendment that ended slavery forever and ever and ever without going through the Emancipation Proclamation and to sell that the Gettysburg Address. That's what this is all about. Now, I'm going to read you the Gettysburg Address that you have never read nor ever heard. Now, all of you like Dale that like to do the homework, you go to YouTube and you type in Gettysburg Address and you just listen to all of the different reenactments of it. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and this limb is as strong and steady as any limb I've gone out on, historically speaking. You will not find one that will tell you what I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to say that again. I have never heard anyone recite the Gettysburg Address is what Lincoln did on November the 19th, 1863. And what am I talking about? I'm going to tell you. What most of you memorized, if you memorized it, what most of you read, if you've read it, if you've not read it, what most of you are going to read, is the standard written version. It is the one that's on the Lincoln Memorial. 
The Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. has two speeches. One, the Gettysburg Address, and the other one, his second inaugural. Now, if you do research, there's about five different versions of the Gettysburg Address. There's one that's the accepted version, the written version, that's on the memorial. That one, I'll just go on and tell you that that was 268 words. That's not the one I'm going to read you. I'm going to ask you a question, podcasters. Raise your hand if you ever took speech. I saw a bunch of hands go up. Listen to this. Did you have notes? Did you practice your speech? And you got up in front of that class and you had those notes on that note card? Let's play something. Let's play a little game. When you stood up there with those note cards, did you read those note cards? Or did you look at the audience, glance down at the notes every now and then? I think I know the answer to that, because if you just stand up there and you read those words on those note cards, well, you probably had to take that course again. So let's do this. What if you went up there and you gave your speech, and as soon as you got ready to start, that teacher turned on a tape recorder and recorded what you said, and then once you had finished, they compared what you said to what you had written. Is that the same? I think I heard an answer. No way. What I'm going to read you is what Lincoln actually said. Not what was written, not on the memorial. Now, that's enough to pay attention, but I want you to appreciate what this man has done and why I am convinced it is the greatest speech he ever gave and the most important speech in American history. I'm going to just tell you a few things about it. All right? To begin with, I think we all know how it starts, right? Four score. Let's just stop right there. What's a score? Four score in seven years. This is a math problem. Mathematicians, how many years is a score? 20. 4 times 20 is what? 80. 4 score and 7. 87. Podcasters, why didn't Mr. Lincoln just say 87 years ago? This is a convincing speech. Rhetoric, as they called it in those days. A persuasive speech. He's going to try and persuade the northern public that this war is about 
ending slavery, and that's what it should be about. If most of your listeners, most of those who are going to read this in the newspaper, are Christians with the Bible, you want to get the Bible on your side. This is biblical. And it won't be the only biblical terms. This is biblical. There was once a final Jeopardy question. Four score and seven years since the Gettysburg Address. Well, you had to know 87 and 1863 and do that math. Lincoln didn't say that. Four score and seven years ago. All right, mathematicians. 1863 minus 87. What's the year? 1776. Podcasters, I cannot emphasize the importance of what I just told you enough. Four score and seven years ago is 1776. You want a game show? You're going to get money. Name one thing, one thing that happened in 1776. Rang in. Declaration of Independence. Did you hear what I just said? Four score and seven years ago. Why didn't he just say in 1776? Biblical. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth podcasters. I am convinced there were a few people that maybe were alive in 1776, but most of them weren't. Why fathers? Why didn't he just say, in 1776, a bunch of people that walked around wearing clothes that we don't wear, wearing wigs that we don't wear, our fathers, podcasters. This is a personal connection. These were not people we did not know. These were not strangers. These were not people from another planet. They were our fathers. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth, brought forth, biblical, for childbirth. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in link, in liberty, and consecrated. Excuse me, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I'm going to read that again because I messed up. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Podcasters, listen to this. Our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation. New. N-E-W. 
let's just say that you text someone, I got a new car, come over and look at it, and they text you back, nah, I don't have to, I know what it looks like. I bet you it's got four wheels, two in front, two in the back, no less than two doors. Windshield, windshield wipers, steering wheel on the left. How in the world do you know that? This is a new car. That's right. And you know what? It looks like an old car, except it's shiny. That is not the new that Lincoln's talking about. Brought forth a new nation. This nation was new and that it had never in the history of the world existed. Never in the history of the world had this nation existed. And what made it so different? Conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Podcasters, when Jefferson wrote that in 1776, he was not pushing the envelope. He exploded that envelope. Because what he just said was all men are created equal. That the poorest man in England was equal to the king. Now we're not going to get into whether he meant women or not. You understand? When we do the Declaration of Independence, I can talk about it then. It's up to you. But can you imagine the power of what he just said? A new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now, I'm going to explode a myth right now. How do I know this? Podcasters, I have asked and asked and asked. So this is what I want you to do. When you get through listening to this podcast and the right circumstances are there, you ask someone, how was Lincoln's Gettysburg Address received and I promise you most people if not all of them will say it was a disappointment I have asked that I've heard that I've heard that I've heard that I've read that it is wrong what I am reading you is what he said we know that because of shorthand and when they did the shorthand They included everything. So I'm going to destroy the myth of how unpopular the Gettysburg Address was at Gettysburg with one word. When he said, created equal, applause. Applause. He will be interrupted by applause five times And at the end, he will have a long, continuous applause. At the end, of the people, by the people, and for the people, that refers to the Constitution and the preamble, we the people. Now, I'm not going to stop anymore. Look this up. Read this. Keep everything in mind that I just told you. And what I'm going to do now 
is I'm going to simply read it to you and let you hear. This is what he said. It's different from what he had written down. There are going to be 31 added words. I'm going to say that again. What he said will be 31 added words. What you could do is you could bring up somehow and print out the Gettysburg Address and you look at that and then you listen to what I say and I guarantee you, you're going to hear the differences. And so you get the Gettysburg Address, print it out, turn this podcast on and listen to what I read and you're going to see the difference. Here we go. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Applause. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived can long endure. We're met on a great battlefield of that war. We're met to dedicate a portion of it as the final resting place of those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our power to add or distract. Applause. The world will little note, no long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. Applause. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work that they have thus far so nobly carried on. Applause. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion, that we here highly resolve that the dead shall not have died in vain. Applause. That the government of the people by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Long continued applause. Podcasters, there is something left to say. Testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. There's no guarantees. Whether the nation that did believe that all men are created equal can long endure. I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you right now why I believe this is the single most important speech in American history. Lincoln not only is trying to convince the majority in the North that this war should be about ending slavery. But what he wants to do is he wants to redirect the American government back to the principles of 1776. I'm going to say that again. 
He wants to redirect the American government back to the principles of 1776. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to play what I like to call the Constitution game. And this is the way you play that game. You look at the Constitution. You read it. I'd never ask anyone to memorize it. But this is what I want you to do. When you get to the 12th Amendment and you read that, you stop. That's what the Constitution was in 1863, 12 amendments. And then you remember Lincoln, the Gettysburg Address. What's the 13th Amendment? You ended slavery. 14th Amendment, equality. 15th Amendment, voting. This is the point, podcasters. The Constitution and the role of government is far different after Lincoln than it was before. Before Lincoln, you find anywhere in the Constitution where there is equality and all men are created equal because in the Constitution, Before Lincoln, slavery is legal. And if a slave ran away, you had to bring that slave back to the owner. I'm going to say that again. Before Lincoln, slavery was legal. And then Lincoln, 13th Amendment, all persons are freed. You tell me Lincoln did not change the direction of this government. That's why this is the most important speech in American history. I can think of none other that did what Lincoln did. Now, podcasters, we're going to continue with this next time. I'm going to talk about the reburial. And I want to tell you this right now. If you think that what I just told you is going to reassure Lincoln be reelected, you are going to be so far mistaken that you just, well, you don't even want to admit it to anybody. I'm so glad that you attended. Megan, I'm glad that you're a podcaster. Larry, I'm so proud that you are a podcaster too. Have a good one, podcasters. I'll see you next time.